All right, we've been talking a lot of football. Now, we're going to talk some Arizona basketball. We're going to give you the updates on everything that's going on with all the players, and we're going to talk about maybe some expectations for this year, how they should be playing in conference, out of conference, who needs to step their game up, who needs to do what, all of that and a lot more. Let's get started here on Locked on Wildcats. You are Locked on Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and you are listening to Locked On Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, we got a lot to get to this show. But we're going to talk a lot of Arizona basketball. We're going to talk a little bit of Arizona women's basketball as well. Now, I've been beaten up by some of the masses. Well, I don't want to say the masses because that would imply that everybody's listening to me. That's not true. But I have been beaten up by some people who say, Mike, this Arizona basketball team is as good as any team. Why are you uh, trying to downplay it? And I say poppycock. I am not trying to downplay this Arizona basketball team. I think that they're going to be a top 25 team. I think they're a top 25 team all season. I'm a big fan of Tommy Lloyd, as you guys all know. But we try to keep it, as the kids say, real or 100 on the show. And when I look at this Arizona team, I think that they just lack the star power. Now, we're going to go position by position, and we'll see maybe that star power can emerge and that I can be wrong. Who knows? But I do look at it and I see a team right here that is, I think is going to be solid, but it's going to rely on Tommy Lloyd to put them in great situations. But you know what? Uh, The people out here that have been fortunate enough to watch Lute Olsen all those years know that it can be done. And so let's get started. All right. I was talking about this yesterday on another platform. Azulis Tabellis. This needs to be the best player on the team. It can't be Pella Larson. It can't be Kirk Creesa. It can't be any of those guys. Again, they're good. Don't get me wrong. But when you watch them, they are our limitations to what they can do. Pella Larson can't dribble. So when you can't dribble the ball, you're going to be kind of limited on how you can really score. And by, by can't dribble, I mean one or two dribbles. But anything more than that, the ball is going to be fumbled out of bounds or stolen. Don't want any of that. But he's a good shooter. He's a good one dribble drive. Again, one dribble drive. And he can make plays in that regard. So, but that does, when you can't make plays off the bounce, that really does limit. Think about all the great U of A players over the years. Um, You know, especially in the Lute Olsen era, whether that was Sean Elliott, whether that was Khalid Reeves, whether that was Damon Stoudemire, Mike Bibby, Jason Terry, Miles Simon, Gilbert Arenas, It really is amazing how many great players came through here, but all of those guys could get, you could give them the ball and they could say, get out of the way. I'm about to score. Um, You don't cur up. Pella Larson doesn't have that again. That's why I think he's a good secondary, a good tertiary op, probably a better tertiary option than a secondary, but that's kind of where he stands. Again, I think he's a 12 to 13 point per game guy, but you can also take what I'm saying with the grain of salt because I was wrong on him last year. And if you watch me on Twitter or follow me on Twitter at Iron Mike Luke, by the way, it'll change your life. Um, basically, every single game, I said my bad, Pella. So take it for what it's worth. 
But Pella Larson, solid player, not a next-level player. Now, the next one, Kirk Risa. Kirk Risa is an interesting player because when you watch him shoot, the shot is fantastic. The, the form is great. It leaves next to nothing to be desired, and he can get a shot. The problem, though, is that it doesn't go in, or it goes in, but it doesn't go in at nearly the rate that you would hope it would, being that he is your starting point guard and he's known as a shooter. This year is going to be a big year for Kerr. Can he elevate his shooting percentages? Can he go from being 38% from the field and 33% from three to 43% from the field and 39% from three? Because if he can do that, he becomes a nice second option right there. Again, I don't ever see him being a guy that can take over a game. That's just not in his, uh, it's just not in his wheelhouse. But if he can improve his shooting percentages a certain degree, then it becomes easier um, for Arizona to be able to work these points and calibrate them down the line. So we'll find that out. That will, We're definitely going to find that one out. So after that, then, you've got those two players. Both those, both those players are starting. Courtney Ramey I find fascinating here. I think Courtney Ramey actually has a little bit more upside than Pella Larson or Kirk Creasa. Again, kid out of Texas, three, two multi-year starter, was all conference a couple years ago, averaged 12, uh, 12 points, four assists under Shaka Smart. Those numbers took a dip under Chris Beard, but all numbers take a dip under Chris Beard because they don't try to score the ball. So with Ramey, though, he's got a little bit of bounce. He can get he can beat you off the dribble a little bit. He can also shoot 38% three-point shooter. He's going to have the ball in his hands at times, too. Can he make plays there? I'm very fascinated to see what he brings because make no mistake, he is going to be starting. So those are your three starting perimeter players right there. I think they're all double-digit scores, but I just don't think that any of those guys are next-level 15, 16, 17-point-per-game guys. Now, which brings us to the front court. Umar Ballo is not going to be a player that will take games over, but I like Umar Ballo a great deal. Um, big fan of Umar on the show. But when Umar gets the ball down low, he tries to dunk everything. He's very aggressive. He's got a big fan following. My mother personally thinks he's better than DeAndre Ayton. So that and she she's laughing right now, but she means it. And unfortunately, there are people also that subscribe to this theory. They are wrong, but it doesn't matter to me. But you know what? When you uh, but my mom, in all fairness to her, she was right about something. The lack of aggression from DeAndre always really annoyed her, and it's annoyed a lot of people in the NBA as well, but she's still wrong overall. So with Umar, <laughs> mom's going to slap me after she watches or after she I get off here, so I got about 13 minutes to live. Um, Umar Ballo, though, again, 10.7 or 8 rebounds. He's in really good shape. I've seen him around campus quite a bit. Looks svelte, looks lean, looks thin, looks ready to rock and roll. But again, not a take-the-game-over type player, but a good player. We like Umar Ballo. Umar Ballo is a great deal. Umar Ballo backs the A. There's no other way around it. But I don't know that he can back the A all the way into turning Arizona into a national title contender. Um, so then that leaves Azulis Tabellis. Now, the last time we saw Azulis Tabellis, unfortunately, he was shrinking in the moment. Um Against TCU and then against Houston, there's no other way to put it, but he just got pushed around. And you could tell he wilted mentally. What I didn't like about Azulis be even before that, and I noticed this during the Pac-12 tournament, and this always bothers me, 
when a player gets out of character, when he was at the Pac-12 tournament, he started taunting players, saying they're too short, this and that. And that's just not his game. I mean, he, you're not a trash talker. I mean, he's, he's just not a trash talker. So when he started talking trash and demeaning his opponents, um, he became a mark. And when they played uh, TCU, those guys right there were pushing him around, and he wanted absolutely no part of it. He wasn't doing any of the you're too short stuff right there. That all went away. Um, and then Houston did much of the same, and it ended up in Tabellus being benched. My hope for Tabellus is this. Just get back to who you are. Be quiet. Play basketball. Because, again, you're capable of averaging 18 and 10, 19 and 9, something in there. And, honestly, Arizona needs you to average that to be able to reach the apex of Arizona basketball. I don't think there's any way around that. Um, but, yes, that's where – and Tommy Lloyd, I think, put it very well when he said last year, he said, when Azulis gets the ball, Azulis needs to be able to look and understand that the guy in front of him isn't as good as him and he needs to score. Um, this is last year. You could get away with that. Not always being the case because you had other options. You had a Benedict Matherin. You had Christian Coloco, a Dale and Terry. Those guys are gone now. And while they were replaced, they weren't replaced with first round picks. So Azulis has to be that guy and he's got to hover around that, you know, that conference player of the year status. And if he does that, then Arizona, I think has some real potential there, but it's got to be Azulis to Bellis. It can't be anybody else because again, I don't know that anybody else is versed and is talented enough to take that step. Now look at some of the other players on here that, uh, you know, uh, Cedric Henderson, I find interesting. Again, you watch him last year, played at Campbell, averaged 15 a game. Again, I don't even know where Campbell is, but, and I've said this a million times, but if you watched him against Duke, you could tell that there was some real talent there. The son of an NBA player, which always means a lot to me, uh, lineage, bloodlines. First of all, you're probably going to be more talented than other kids. Second of all, you know, you've grown up, you've seen it big picture. You've seen, um, what it takes to be that. And again, I think Cedric Henderson comes in here. I don't look for him to be a star, but I think he's going to be somewhere in that not eight to 10 point per game realm, something like that. Um, but I would be very surprised if he was a game changer in that regard. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. Then another guy that I think a lot of people are looking at to be a game changer, but I just don't see it this year is Henry Visar. Now, Visar comes in, he's arguably the top international player in the entire country, or, you know, uh, coming into college basketball this year. You watch him, 6'11", really thin, though, about 200 pounds, very skilled, can dunk and block shots. The problem, though, and we've talked about this, is that Henry Visar is very skinny. It's going to take him some time with Chris Rounds, with the strength and conditioning staff, to be able to get there. I think his date of arrival for being all-conference is probably in that second year, not in that first year. You've also got to remember, too, that the adaptation period to the college game is going to be different for him because he's from overseas. So I don't look for that to be – I think he's got a world of potential. He might have the highest upside on the team, but he's not going to be that guy this year. I think he's probably more of an 8-5 and five type player that first year, probably becomes about 15-7 and seven the following year, something like that. Adama Ball is fascinating to me. If you were to put one wild card out there as somebody who could emerge as a 15-point-per-game guy that nobody's looking at, it would be Adama Ball. 
Um, you know, everybody knows the story. Got to the U of A when he was really, uh, he was young. You see so many parents now that, and this is so super lame, but whatever, um, that hold their kids back a year, hold their kids back two years, um, you know, so they can be older than everybody they're playing against. That's lame. Um, and generally, as a rule of thumb, your kid is probably going to be the same prospect at age 17 that he is at 18. So for what it's worth. But Adama Baldo comes in at 17 and a half, and it took him a while. But from the beginning, Tommy Lloyd was talking about how this guy was going to have a big role. And not only was he going to have a big role, he was going to have a big role this coming year for Arizona basketball. And Tommy Lloyd is a man of his word because Adama Ball, by the end of the year, was playing really good ball, really good basketball. Um, where can he, where can he improve? I guess is the, uh, the question that, uh, every, that people are probably asking and he can improve in a variety of different ways. Um, first just being more consistent. I think he surprised a lot of people last year with his pull-up jumper, what he was able to do off the bounce and he's a good three point shooter. Can he come back in that year too, kind of like Ben Matherin did? And again, I don't want to put him in the same category as Ben Matherin because he's just not as talented as Ben Matherin. But, you know, very few people are. You're talking about a high lottery pick. But ball comes back, and if he can improve his ball handling, be able to get to the basket, he's got some abilities to be able to clear out and say, hey, we need a bucket. We'll find out where he is. Is he ready for that role yet? Or is that going to be something that's going to take him a little bit more time? I don't know. And I don't think anybody really knows until, you know, until the lights come on, but we'll certainly find that one out. And we're going to find that one out very quickly. All right. We're going to talk about the rest of the roster here. Those are some of the players though, that I think you have to keep a very close eye on again. The reason I don't view Arizona as a national title contender is because I think you need another Azulis Tabellis, but Again, we'll talk about that on the other side. All right, here's from the uh, uh, National Highway uh, Public Safety uh, uh, Regime, I guess, for lack of a better term. Don't drive drunk. You know, in this day and age, Ubers are cheap. Why not say, you know what, I'm going to go out with my friends and I'm going to have a good time and I'm not going to have to worry about driving. It's $9 there. It's $8 back. That can certainly save a lifetime of guilt and... Um, just a lifetime of guilt and crummy feelings because you ran into somebody or you hurt yourself or you hurt somebody else. There's no reason to drive drunk. There just really isn't. Um, everybody knows the consequences that come with it. So just don't do it. And again, the game's been changed by Uber. It's not expensive. And plus, look at it on the other way. You could lose what I don't know what a DUI is, but I'm guessing three, four thousand dollars just on court fees. So don't drive drunk. We'll be right back with you. You're listening to the AZ Wildcat, or excuse me, you're listening to Locked On Wildcats podcast. Thanks for thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, like I said, I had a lot of people say, Mike, why uh, why do you keep saying that Arizona isn't a national title contender this year? And I give them the same reasons that we've been talking about right here as to why I don't believe they're a national title contender. But again, I would love to be wrong. Now, I think some of the players, too, on the roster that you need to look at and also be a little, um, you know, just understand what you're dealing with right there is a guy like a Kylan Boswell. Kylan Boswell is a five-star point guard who reclassified. Now, you got to remember that he reclassified for some good reasons. First of all, he's dealing with a leg injury that's going to keep him out for quite a while. 
So he can get onto campus. He can deal with, get all the best doctors that can take advantage of and give him the proper care that he needs. Um, he's probably going to be ready to go by mid season. I just wouldn't expect much this year because when you're a point guard, you're a year young, you move into the college realm. It's just, there's a period of time that it just takes to get used to things. And I don't think that that's going to be him this year. I think he's going to be a massive part of the equation the following year, but I don't look for a lot from Kylan Boswell this year. As a matter of fact, if he were to redshirt, I don't know that that would surprise really anybody. But, you know, a lot of people are talking about how they want to, you know, about how he's going to be a difference maker. He is going to be a difference maker. I just don't look for him to be a difference maker this year. That's where I think that Arizona kind of is. All right. Now, another player, Philly B, Philip Borovichinen. Great name, by the way, Borovichinen, Philly B. Um, Seen him on campus quite a few times now. And Philly B, for a lot of times when you get the uh, the kids from overseas, they come in, they're very skinny, um, and you're like, man, this is going to take 10 years to put any muscle on you. Philly B is not in that category. When uh, you look at uh, Borovichinen, he's a pretty well-put-together kid already. He's very skilled. He's a wild card. I don't think that he's a wild card like a Dom of Ball. I don't see him becoming – possibly being a 13, 14, 15 point a game guy if things go right. But I think that he's much better than a lot of people are giving him credit for. And I think his arrival date is going to be sooner than later. I just don't think that it's going to be this year. Okay. Now, one thing when you look at Borovichin and you think to yourself, man, that's a well put together kid. He looks strong. I say that it's probably because of Built Bar. Now, here's the deal with Built Bar. As you know, John Schuster consumes Built Bar. John Schuster has lived on this earth for over 200 years. And the big thing with him, though, and he's talked about his success to life is Built Bar because he doesn't like eating. Uh, he doesn't like eating healthy food because generally it doesn't taste as good. But he likes Built Bar and he likes the blueberry. I like the blueberry as well. Check it out right there. Again, Philip Borovichinen, if he's not on Built Bar, it certainly looks like that he's on Built Bar. Check it out. BuiltBar.com. We'll be right back with you, wrapping everything up, getting you ready for tomorrow. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right. So that's why, again, call me a hater, call me a naysayer, whatever it is, but we try to keep it real here on the show. I think in 23-24, Arizona basketball is going to be able to compete with any team in the country. I think that's what that's going to be a loaded roster that you are looking for to make that move. I think it's going to be a little, it's going to take a little bit of time, which is fine because think about it. When Tommy Lloyd came in, he inherited a program that hadn't won a tournament game in five years. So it's okay. He's doing things the right way. They're building it from, they're building it from, uh, from the bottom up. They're back in the A fully. So when I, uh, again, I think this team will finish second or third in the conference. I think they probably go into the tournament as about a four or a five seed, maybe get into the second weekend, who knows. And then after that, everything is house money, but still a good thing to have where you're talking about something being a transition year and the team still figures to be a top 15 to 20 team. You just got to remember the last year, Arizona was one of the top two or three teams in the country. You lose three first round picks from your first year as a coach. It's going to take a little while to get back there, but you watch Tommy Lloyd. He gets it. He understands it. All right, everybody out there, you have a great Wednesday. 
You've been listening to Locked On Wildcats. We'll be back with you tomorrow talking some Arizona women's basketball. But again, everybody have a great Wednesday. Thanks for keeping it Locked On Wildcats.